just listening to that song uh, made me think like the goals that I have in here every week is that you would know better who, who God is. Because uh, I think when you learn more about who God is and you understand more about who God is, uh, and like, so like that song was just saying, right, that we would take some time on a Wednesday in the middle of your week to remember who God is and remember who you are, uh, that that would be what helps you to move in the right direction in your life. When you realize that the weight of this world and the weight of things is not fully on you if you are trusting in Christ and that, that, that God has offered to take some of that and, and take the weight of that for you. Uh, that's what he's promised. And, and uh, I just was picturing that end part of that song that we were, that we were singing of just that word yoke. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've at least seen like a picture at some point. Uh, some of you maybe have even seen it in person. What an actual yoke is, is like this wooden piece usually, right, that goes across to oxen. Oxen, is that right? Not oxes, right? Oxen. Uh, it goes across the neck of two oxen so that they would pull together in the same direction. They would work together. And as they work together, the work is easier, right? And so it keeps them moving the same direction. That's the whole point of the yoke is that it's on these two animals so that they would pull in the same direction, all their power would be directed the same place, right? And so think, why would God use that illustration? Why, why that language in that song? Uh, the yoke, and he says, like, we can come up under his yoke because it's easy. Because it's me and him partnered together. One, he's, he's going to be far stronger than me. Uh, and and it, I get to follow his direction, right? So we, we're going to go to the same direction because we're yoked together, and we're going to move the same direction. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking like the hardest parts of my life, the thing, times when things, get, when things get the hardest probably are, are when I try to go my own direction. When I'm yoked with Jesus, and we're supposed to be moving the same direction, the, the most pain that I have in my life is probably just a result of me trying to push my own way, go my own direction, go this way when Jesus says, no, we're going this way, but we're yoked together, so it's not like, like he's... If, he's gonna have to, if he has to drag me, he will, and things would be a lot easier if I just walked with him, uh, and a lot of times I just like, want to pull off onto my own direction, uh, and so that's what you see in the life of Joseph. That's who we're talking about tonight um, in the lives of a lot of these other guys that we've been talking about, uh, but we've gotten to Joseph. Uh, if you've been tracking with us all semester, uh, we started at the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1-1, uh, and we talked about creation and God working through all of that and uh, creating us perfectly. Uh, and then pretty quickly after that, everything breaks, everything's broken because of sin, uh, and, and so the rest of Scripture is God redeeming that and fixing that and fixing what is broken. Uh, really, all of Scripture is telling one story. All of Scripture is really telling one story, and that story is the story of man's sinfulness and God's faithfulness to rescue and restore him. So man's sinfulness and then God's faithfulness to rescue and redeem or restore man. Man wanting to be their own God, wanting to go their own direction, and even in the midst of that, God being so faithful and so good that he continues to pursue us and rescue us and redeem us and want to restore us. Uh, 
So again, we talked about creation, we talked about fall of man and, and sin entering the world, flood with Noah, and then everybody being split into nations, and, and just that idea that God's going to rescue us, right? And then Abraham we talked about for a few weeks, uh, and how God was faithful for him, uh, and then Abraham had his son, uh, he waited for this son for 25 years that God had promised him, uh, he had to wait 25 years for that promise to be fulfilled in Isaac, and Isaac was born, and then Abraham had to trust God enough to be willing to sacrifice Isaac, uh, and God at the last minute said, you don't have to do that, now I know you would, uh, and so God tested Abraham, we talked about that, and so we talked about God's faithfulness, how, how God provides, uh, and then Isaac and his wife Rebecca had twin boys, Jacob and Esau, that's what we talked about last time we were uh, together when I taught Jacob and Esau, these twins uh, that, uh, of Isaac and Rebecca, and Isaac and Rebecca played favorites with them, they each had a favorite, and that caused a bunch of problems, uh, and because of Jacob and his mom's deceit, Jacob, the younger son, gets the blessing that was supposed to be for the older son uh, from his father because they deceive him. Uh, and the main thing kind of we took away from that was that no matter how many mistakes that you make, and that you can't screw up God's plan. That us as people, we can't screw up the plans that God has and the things that he wants to do. Uh, and so now we're still tracking through that same family and that same line of people. Uh, and so Jacob's son is who we're going to be talking about, what Jacob's sons, I guess, uh, and, and specifically Joseph more than anybody else. So um, I like, I'm a visual person, and so I need like, I need help to learn, and I need things that I can look at, right? So hopefully this, uh, like last time we had a video that kind of summarized things, I, I've got some pictures for you to kind of help, uh, and, and it's all Legos. So I think, I think it's going to be helpful uh, in telling the, the life of Joseph through some uh, Lego construction here. Uh, so Joseph, again, is one of, uh, one of Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, he's the second youngest. There's one son younger than him, Benjamin, uh, and the rest are all older than him. And so uh, you see this, tell me if you've heard this before, right, that uh, Israel is, so Jacob gets his name changed to Israel. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and he loves Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. You can look in the, in the Bible in front of you, if, or if you have your own, uh, Genesis 37 is where that is. Uh, it, it talks about uh, Jacob loving his son, or Israel loving his son Joseph more than any of his other sons uh, because he was the son of his old age. And then it goes on to verse 4 to say, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Um, flip back real quick if you're following along in Genesis 35. Uh, Genesis 35, verses 9 through 12. This is where God changes Jacob's name. It says, your name is Jacob. God said to him, your name is Jacob no longer. You're, you shall be called uh, Israel. Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. So God's doing some things here. Uh, so in between where we left off last, last time with Jacob and Esau, uh, and, and before we get to Joseph fully, uh, we see this name change for Jacob. He goes from Jacob to Israel. Jacob means deceiver. Again, he was deceiving 
uh, a lot of the time, and a lot of time with the help of his mom, uh, he goes from being called Jacob, who means deceiver, to Israel, which means uh, God prevails. Uh, and so God is changing his name saying and, and, and showing that he's a different person. Uh, and, and then he's giving them the same promise that he gave to Abraham. If you remember, we talked about several weeks ago. He gave Abraham this problem of, promise of three different things, land, seed, and blessing. Land, lots of descendants, and that those people would be a blessing to the rest of the world uh, is what he promised was going to happen for Abraham. And he promised that, and the beginning of that promise took 25 years to get Isaac. Uh, and we're still working through that promise, that God is still promising to make from the descendants of Abraham. So Jacob is one of those descendants. Now he's reiterating that promise to Jacob in, in Genesis 35 here, that he is going to make a great nation out of those people, out of his family, out of the, the people uh, and, the, and the descendants that he will have. And you really see this ramping up when it comes to Joseph and his brothers. Uh, and so just showing you as we continue to move through this, that God is continuing to put this promise in front of his people and continuing to show them like he's going to fulfill this promise that he made for them. Uh, so again, Jacob, now Israel. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. So it, it flat out says that he loved him more than any other son. It also says that the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, uh, and they hated Joseph and couldn't speak kindly or couldn't speak uh, a friendly word to him because they hated him so much. Again, like we talked about last time, Isaac and Rebekah played favorites with their kids openly, and it caused a bunch of issues. That's what uh, Joseph sees growing up, uh, or what Jacob sees growing up, and then it, and it happens in his family too. He does the same thing. And so, this is a side note, not really uh, main point of tonight, but a lot of times people model the, the, the things that they see in their parents, right? And so that's why you see these generations of things happen over and over. You would think if a person didn't have a dad in their life because he left them, then obviously they would want to be a dad more so and be present all the time. But you see that cycle happen all the time. And, and you see these cycles of sin, all different kinds of them. Uh, but, but like this, you see this in Scripture, you see it in life now. But there are also always people that overcome those things, that say, I'm not going to be like that, and I'm not going to choose to go that direction. I'm going to choose to go my own direction. But it's really hard because you grow up seeing things all the time, right? You grow up uh, seeing things that are unhealthy, and because they are your parents, you think, well, it has to be good because they're my mom and dad. But if they're not following Christ, if they're, they're, they're human like everybody else and they make mistakes, you could uh, end up going some of the same directions that are, that are unhealthy things. But, uh, but back to what's going on here. So the brothers hate him. Joseph's brothers hate him because their father loved him more than, more than all the others. Uh, and he does this visibly, you can tell again regularly, but then he also does this in, that's what the coat of many colors is supposed to represent, uh, just that he even gets special treatment. So there's a special treatment that he's constantly getting that his brothers see, and one of those things was this coat of many colors. Uh, and so his father asked him go, to go. He said all of his brothers are uh, tending this flock, and he asked them to go check on them. Um, fast forward a little bit here. Uh, so as he's coming to check on his brothers, they plot to kill him, right? Uh, essentially, they see him coming. They're, they're sick of everything that, that they see. They're sick of all the favoritism that they're seeing from their parents, from, his, from their dad. Uh, and so they decide, you know, let's just kill him. 
I mean, that seems pretty drastic to me to jump to that. But uh, they're going to try to kill him and try to, to do it in a way where they, where they are deceiving too, where they uh, take his coat and they put it in some blood so that uh, it looks like a wild animal attacked them is what they said. Uh, oh, this might not work. Uh, so next thing that happens when, they, when he comes, they don't just like attack him and kill him. They throw him into a well first, like a, a well it doesn't have any water in, him, in it. So they throw him into that well. Um, maybe this will work. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, so they throw him into a well. They take off this coat uh, of many colors, and they put some fake animal. They put some blood. They kill a goat, and they put some blood on it. Uh, that's not going to work. They put some blood on it. So I'll just tell you the story myself. So they kill this goat, put blood on the coat, and they give that back to their father, and they say, hey, uh, we're sorry. Like, we don't know what happened. Obviously, I guess it's just an animal attacked your son, attacked Joseph, and killed him. Uh, here's his coat. Uh, and their dad believes that, right? But they don't just leave him in that well, they decide, uh, one of the brothers decides that it's even better, uh, instead of just leaving him in that well to die, there was a, a group of people coming, um, kind of where they were at, and they decided to sell him into slavery. So then they could make a profit off of him too. Uh, so they sell Joseph into slavery to this group of people. Eventually, Joseph ends up in uh, Potiphar's house. Potiphar's just a, a rich person in Egypt. Uh, and so he ends up working as a slave uh, for him. And in Potiphar's house, this is in Genesis 39, if you're looking in Scripture. We're going to go fast through this because it's a lot of chapters. But Potiphar's house, uh, if you look in verse 2, Genesis 39, 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master, his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. So Joseph's put in this house as a slave, but then this guy who's in charge of the house uh, sees that Joseph stands out. Um, because he's following God, because he's obedient to what God's calling him to do, Joseph stands out, and, it, and, and God gives him favor in the eyes of this guy, and it says that the Lord caused all that Joseph did to succeed in his hands, and so this guy sees this, and he says, all this guy is doing is succeeding because of his, his God, and so I'm going to put him in charge of all my stuff. So Potiphar sees that, puts Joseph in charge of all of his things, and pretty much says, you can run my house, everything that I have, you can run all the stuff. Um, well then, Potiphar's wife uh, tries to get Joseph to have sex with him. She, she, he's it's described, Joseph's described as really handsome, and so uh, she comes to him multiple times and uh, tries to get him to sleep with her, and he says no every time, and so she's doing everything that she can. She's like trying to flirt with him, you know, probably walking by, uh, probably drops something in front of him, you know, and like picks it up, you know, just something like that. That's what I, that's what I think is happening. Um, and tries to tempt him in all these ways and says, hey, can you just have sex with me, you know, like he's, he, she's asking him, and he, finally he like, the, she like pretty much attacks him, and he has to like run, and, and she grabs his coat, and he's like, 
so adamant of not succumbing to that temptation that he like takes off his coat and he just runs out the door. And so this woman's crazy, and and he runs from that temptation, right? He literally runs from it, and and she has his coat in her hand, and so then she's so ticked that he would turn her down that she decides to uh, frame him, and she screams for the guards to come and says that uh, Joseph came on to her, and she has his coat to prove it, and then the guards come, they tell Potiphar that, and he believes her, and then Joseph's thrown in jail. Uh, And so he's put in jail for something that he didn't do. And again, for what? For being obedient to what God's calling him to do, too. He's for, for avoiding sin and avoiding something that he knows God wouldn't want him to do, he gets thrown in jail for that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> we'll come back to that. But <clears throat> it seems as if, as if he's getting punished for doing the right thing. And so I don't know... Maybe you felt like that in your life. Uh, so, so kind of think about those feelings. I know I've, I think I've felt that way sometimes in my life where I felt like, I mean, I, I was doing the right things and I was making the right choices and then I got punished for that. I, I would imagine that's kind of how Joseph feels at this point. He was making the right choices, doing the right things, uh, and then he gets put in, in, in jail for something that he didn't even do. So then if you, if you go to the end of, of Genesis 39, Joseph is in prison. Uh, so here's the part where he gets thrown in prison. Genesis 39, 19, it says, As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled, and Joseph mas- Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, uh, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Again, you see this all throughout uh, this, this account of Joseph's life. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made succeed. So again, Joseph stands out wherever he goes. And so he's put in prison, and the guy that's in charge of the prison even says, this guy is so different and he's so trustworthy that I can just let him run everything in the prison. One, maybe this guy's really lazy, too. He's like, well, you can do my job, right? Uh, he gives Joseph this, tr- he's like, you can do everything. One, he's giving one of the prisoners his job uh, to run everything. But Joseph is so trustworthy. So when I think about that, that means, like, he probably had access to all the keys and everything else. Like, to, like if he really wanted to, he could free people, uh, take over, cause some kind of riot, right? But he's so trustworthy that, that he can give him everything and not even think twice about that. And so he's put in charge again, this time in prison, not quite as glorifying, right? He's in charge of all the prisoners. And so as he's in charge of the prisoners, uh, two new prisoners come in. There's one that was a cupbearer for the king, which was not a job that you want to have. Uh, basically, it means like you get to drink all the, the drinks before the king does to make sure they're not poison. Uh, and if you do your job really well and it's poison, guess what? You're dead and there's a new cupbearer that, that gets to be that, in that job, right? Uh, so he was the cupbearer for the king. He got, the king got mad at him, put him in prison. Uh, the baker for the king, again, we don't, we're not exactly told what, what happened necessarily, but he 
king got mad at him, put him in prison. So there's a cupbearer and, bake- and a baker, and they both have these dreams. Um, and so they have these dreams, and then uh, they tell Joseph, they look kind of upset, both of them, and Joseph asks them, uh, what's the matter, essentially? Uh, and they tell them, this is Genesis chapter 40, in verse 8, it says, They said to him, We've had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. And so again, Joseph, following God, knowing who God is, says like, I mean, if God wants to interpret your dream, he can do that. So just tell me what they are, and I bet he can tell me what they mean for you. Uh, and so they tell them his dreams. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into the specifics of the dreams. But then tells them the dreams, and then Joseph gives them interpretations of those dreams. And both of them are correct. One of them, um, basically he says to the cupbearer, the king's going to take you out of prison in a couple of days, and you're going to be raised back to your position that you were at before. And to the baker, he says, okay, your dream, you're going to be raised up as well, but you're going to be raised up to be hung, and you're going to be killed by the king. So that sucks, right? And I... I can't imagine getting those news, like, because he, he, he interprets the cupbearers first. The cupbearer asks them, and, and again, the, the result of that is you get to go back to your job. You get to live in the kingdom. You're not in this dungeon, in this prison anymore. You get to eat the king's food, do all these things, and you're back into your kind of high esteemed role. And so then the baker speaks up like, hey, what does my dream mean? And he's like, waiting, you know? And he's like, okay, you're going to get raised up as well? And he's like, yes, to be hung. And he's like, Shoot. I hope this guy's wrong, right? That's what that would be my thought. I hope this guy's wrong. But he wasn't wrong. Uh, so that's exactly what happens. The cupbearer gets released from prison. He gets put back in his position, and then the baker gets hanged. Um, and there's a really cool Lego skeleton hanging that we were going to see, you know. But you just have to go on the Internet and watch it. Uh, go to the brick, bricktestament.com. It has all of every story of Scripture in Lego form. Um, uh, so, so Joseph says to the, the cupbearer, because he knows this dream is going to come true, right? And that he's going to come back into the, into the presence of, of the king, of Pharaoh, uh, because we're in Egypt. Uh, and he says, hey, when you do get out, when this dream does come true, put in a good word for me, let, the, let Pharaoh know I'm here, and, you know, maybe I can get out of here, right? Um, but scripture says that uh, he didn't remember so the end of Genesis 40, it says, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And then 41, Genesis 41 starts, After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. So over two years, at this point, Joseph has been in jail for at least over two years. So two years after the cupbearer left, uh, he's still sitting in jail, uh, waiting for something to happen, you know? Again, this is a guy who's been obedient to what God was calling him to do, and he's just sitting in jail. And then, the, then Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams. And then the cupbearer is like, oh, yeah, speaking of dreams, I know this guy who interpreted my dreams. I, I think I was supposed to tell you something about him two years ago. Uh, and so Pharaoh pulls Joseph out of, out of jail. And, of course, again, Joseph's able to interpret these dreams. Um, and so the, he has these two different dreams, one's with a fat cow and a skinny cow, one's with, uh, what's the other thing? I forget. Uh, We'll just go with the fat cow, skinny cow. They both mean the same thing. Um, basically, it means that they are going to have 
Uh, seven years where there's lots of food and things are great. Seven years of prosperity in Egypt. And then there's going to be seven years of really bad famine where, where everything kind of dries up and they can't uh, get any more food. And so Joseph tells them, like, that's what your dreams, what your dreams mean. And if I were you, uh, I would store up a bunch of things for those first seven years so that when the second seven years come, uh, you'll have plenty for yourself and for the people around you. And so Pharaoh hears that and he says, I, that's a really good idea. You should be in charge. Uh, puts Joseph in charge again. This time he's not just in charge of house. Again, Pharaoh is in charge of all of Egypt. So basically Pharaoh says, you are in char- you're in charge of everything uh, because you had some really good ideas. Uh, Genesis 41, 37 says this. The, this proposal, like I, like I just told you, uh, about storing up food for seven years and then, uh, then you're having plenty for the seven years of famine, famine, pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all, all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Uh, and it says Joseph was 30 years old when, when he entered the service of, of Pharaoh the king. Uh, the beginning of all this, it says Joseph was 17 uh, when he got thrown into the pit. Uh, so we've seen lots of things happen in his life over this, this period of years. But now he's in charge of all of Egypt in charge of all of Egypt. Again, he's, he's set apart because of the way that he's living. People see, again, what does Pharaoh? Pharaoh even re- gives the credit to God, not Joseph. It says that since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. So they know the reason behind why Joseph sticks out, why he stands out as well. They, they know the reasoning behind it. Uh, and so, long story short, uh, or long story long, however you want to say it, right? Uh, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because they need food because everybody in that, in that second seven years uh, runs out of food. And so they have to come to Egypt to get food. And so Joseph's brothers come to Egypt. They get food from him. They don't recognize that it's him uh, that's in charge. Uh, and then eventually after some tests of them, he uh, forgives them. He reveals who he is, and he ends up saving his family, uh, forgiving his brothers, uh, and saving the lives of lots of other people. And, 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 and that Joseph realizes at the end of all this that all the events, no matter how difficult, were a part of God's plan to get him to the position where he could save the people. So at the, at the end of this, Genesis 45, uh, verses 5, 7, and 8, it says, And now... Do not, this is Joseph talking to his brothers, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life, and God sent me before you so it was not you who sent me here, but God. Again, Joseph is recognizing that God is the one who's in control, God is the one who's doing this. Uh, And then Genesis 58 at the very end of this, he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring, bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's Genesis 50, 20. That you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So again, he sees that God's hand is in all of these things. It's part of the perspective that that he has. Uh, So there you have like 
the observation part of here's what's going on, here's what's happening in the life of Joseph. So why does that matter to you, right? So this is all Joseph's life. Here's the part, like, why does that even matter to you? Uh, one, I want you to see this, too. The whole point of, of going through all of Scripture is to show you that, that Jesus is in the midst of all of this. That, again, at, at once everything was broken, once sin came into the world, once, once all that was happened, God's plan was to rescue us, and his plan was Jesus the whole time. And there's so many things in, in the Old Testament that point to Jesus, even though he hasn't even come yet. And so Joseph is one of those. Joseph is one of those uh, people in Scripture that you would call a Christ type, we talked about this a little bit with Isaac, that Isaac being sacrificed and all the parallels between him and Jesus, he was a Christ type. Joseph is another Christ type. Think about both of their lives, okay? So Joe's brothers tried to keep him from power. Joe's brothers tried to keep him from power, and, he, and they plotted to kill him. And then you look at Jesus' life. There were lots of people, the Pharisees in particular, that tried to keep Jesus from power. They were afraid he was going to have power, and they plotted to kill him. Joseph, at his seemingly lowest point, sitting in jail for something he didn't even do with Potiphar's wife, he's at that lowest point, he is then raised up to power in the highest point that he's ever been in, second in command in Egypt, and he saves, and why? In order to save the lives of tons of people. And then you look at Jesus' life, right? He, at his seemingly lowest point, where he's beaten, near to death, and then crucified, actually killed, and actually buried, for something that he didn't do, for crimes that he didn't commit, at that lowest point, then he is raised from dead to being alive. He's raised from death to life. Why? So that he can save everyone who trusts in him. Joseph forgives his brothers and the wrongs they have done and saves their lives. Jesus forgives all of humanity and the wrongs that we have done and wants to save us. So you see this parallel. Joseph is meant to Sure, teach us about his life and the things that happened, but he's also meant to point us to Jesus. So all of Scripture, there's things that are going on just at that time, just right then, right now in your life. There are things that are going on just right now in your life that you are supposed to be learning something from. But all those things are also supposed to point you to Jesus who wants to rescue you fully from those things. So yes, Joseph was put in a position and he was able to rescue people and and provide food for them so that they would survive this famine. But he's also pointing people to, pointing us to, Jesus who is going to come fully and rescue everybody. Jesus who has come and he has died and he has paid the price to rescue all of us fully. And so part of going through this series is that I hope that you see all through Scripture from the beginning to the end points to the same solution to the same problems. Jesus is the answer to rescue you from fill in the blank. So why, again, why does this matter to you? Why, does I hope, why do I hope this matters to you? Uh, few things that I hope you see in this, some, some are similar to the last time we were together too, that, that God's plans are going to happen. People try to screw them up. Joseph's brothers didn't want, his, didn't want him in power, didn't want to see him ruling over them. And they even tried to change that to the point where they wanted to kill him. But it still happened. 
he was still put in a place of power over them. But not only, not only did it happen, it also happened for their benefit. Because if he wasn't, then they probably would have died. And so as much as we try to ruin God's plans, as we, as we make mistakes and things that, could, that we would think would, would ruin the things that God wants to do, his plan's always going to happen. People tried to kill Jesus, and they thought that was going to destroy God's plan. But the plan was still in place, and the plan was still happening. So God's plans are going to happen. God is faithful to fulfill his promises and his purpose time and time again. So the one specific promise that we're talking about now is that this family, through this family, God promised all these descendants. And so one person at a time, it's still happening. Uh, And then as we get to Exodus next semester, uh, you'll see this family kind of, it grows exponentially as they're in Egypt. Uh, That's the next step of where we're going. Uh, But I wanted to look at Joseph's life too and, and see... Like, when you look at what he's doing and how he's living, pull out some of the truths that you see in there. Joseph continued to be obedient to God wherever he was put. Uh, God, gives, God gives him favor over and over again for the people around him. But then I, then I was looking at, at, at the whole story and thinking, like, now God gives him favor among some people, but then there's other people that hate him. So the, again, this is a guy who's obedient to Christ. So if you are obedient to Christ, if you are following the thing that God wants you to follow, one of the things that you see in Joseph's life for sure, it doesn't guarantee everything to be good for you. Suffering is a part of following Christ. And so I think if I want to pull one thing out of this, more so than anything else, it's that. That suffering is a part of following Christ. That's a part of his plan for you. I know I'm really encouraging you before the break, you know. Uh, but I don't want you to be misled either. I don't want you to think like, hey, if I follow Christ, then everything in life is going to be perfect. No, if you follow Christ, you're going to suffer. That's a promise in Scripture in multiple places. It says that if you follow Christ, that you will suffer. Uh, one of those places we're going to look at, Matthew 5. If you flip forward to Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile or insult you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Your your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So from the mouth of Jesus himself, he says, We are blessed if we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We are blessed when others insult us or persecute us and and utter all kinds of evil against us falsely on his account. And he tells us to rejoice and be glad in that. Why? Because that doesn't sound like things that would make me feel blessed. Uh, Usually when people say, like, how are you doing? You're like, I'm blessed. It's not not because you just got made fun of that day, right? That's usually not what people equate that to. But this is what it's saying. Like, if you, are, if you are following Christ and you get hated on because of that, so specifically for following Christ and for living for him, if you get hated on for that, then you're, you're blessed. Here, here's one of the reasons why I think that's, that's the case. Uh, 
One, Christ, he says later too that if we are his and we are following him, we are gonna suffer like he suffered. So Christ, while he was here on earth, he suffered. And he promised us if we follow him and continue to follow him that we will suffer like he has suffered, that we will join in his suffering. And so if you are suffering because of living for Christ, then that means you're actually living for Christ. If you're never facing any persecution, you're never facing anybody making fun of you for following Christ, you're never experiencing any negative things for, from following Christ, then you're probably not following him very hard. That, that's, that's what scripture says, essentially. That if you're not following him, then people aren't gonna give you a hard time a lot of times. But if you are following him and you are obedient to him, you're gonna face being unpopular. You're gonna face uh, people just making fun of you. You're gonna, you're gonna face uh, all kinds of things, right? Joseph got put into jail because he was following God, essentially. Because he said no to Potiphar's wife, he got put into jail. He got persecuted for following God. Now, he had some favor with some people, for sure, because God allowed that to happen, but he also made a lot of people mad. A lot of people hated him. But God says, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, suffering isn't a bad thing. That's, that's, I think that's one of the things that I see in here, that, um, that as followers of Christ, our suffering has a purpose. If we're promised that in Scripture, it means that, that there, there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose for Joseph's suffering. There's a purpose for your suffering if you're following Christ. And so as I read Joseph's story, as, as we finish talking about him, I think that's one of the things that, that's the thing that stands out to me most this time is just that, yes, God knows all the pieces to the plan and, and all these things that were really frustrating, I'm sure, at the time for Joseph we can read the whole story and see how it all fits together. Joseph was living it. He didn't see how it all fit together. And so suffering in jail wasn't this fun thing for him. But it was a step in the process to be around the cupbearer so that he could eventually be in front of Pharaoh so he could eventually be in a position where he could save everybody. These were all part of these steps that God wanted to use to get him to that point. And so if you even think about that, God wanted him in that position to save a bunch of people it wasn't even as much about him as it was about all these people that he wanted to save. And so God may cause you to go through suffering. He may cause you to get a hole drilled in your head, Lord, for, for, for him. And that sucks to be in the middle of that. My next door neighbor has uh, seven kids. They, they had five and then they wanted to foster, they were fostering to adopt uh, a, a sixth and as they were in that fostering process and they had a kid placed with them or was going to be placed with them eventually, um, she got pregnant. Surprise. So now they have seven kids and two of those kids are like, they're infants. So they're essentially twins and then five others. And then her husband lost her job, lost, lost his job. And so he had to take his old job, which is in New Mexico. So he is gone for three or four weeks at a time and then he's back for a week. And she has seven kids to take care of. And we were talking to them yesterday, two days ago, and he had like this job opportunity here and, it, and he was interviewing for it and then it fell through two days ago. And they were just both just like, 
we know God wants to teach us something, we're just like, just teach us already. Like, I'll learn whatever you want me to learn. Just get me out of this. Like, why would you want me away from my husband? And, and you would think, like, well, why, why do you go there? Because it's a job that he could get right away so he could provide for his family. Why can't they go there? Because they're in the fostering process, so they can't just abandon that baby, and they can't move because they haven't adopted him yet. And so they're stuck. And so I think about situations like that, of suffering that, like, it just doesn't make sense right now. But God, God knows what he's doing. And, and it doesn't take away your frustration right now, but it does give your suffering purpose. And that's different than when, you're, when, when you think it's just, like, pointless and it's not doing anything. He's doing something. And I don't know what it is in my neighbor's life. I don't know even fully what it is. Probably you don't even know, Laura, in, in your life and all those things. But I know he wants to do something with those things. And, and maybe some of those things we'll never see. Maybe Laura being in that hospital talking to a nurse changed that nurse's life and she'll never even get to hear that. I don't, I don't know because I don't know the pieces. But I know God is good. And I know he knows the whole plan. And I know his, his plan is far, far better than mine. And so what I want you to do as we, as we close here tonight Brandon's going to come up, we're going to sing a couple songs, uh, not we, because I'm not going to lead, uh, that would be horrible. Um, he is going to lead some songs, um, and the leaders are going to kind of spread out and be in places where they can pray for you. If there's something that you're suffering through, tell them. The other thing I want you to do in, in, the, in the midst of these two songs, go up and pray, have somebody pray for you, pray with you. Uh, if, if you're suffering through something, that's what, that's what we're here for. And so we're going to be around and, and available for you for that. Um, but also I'd love to see if you, if you would just write down whatever it is that you're suffering through right now that, you, that you're just like, man, I don't even know why. Like, I don't know what God is doing with this, and it's so frustrating. Like, write that down, and then put it in a place where you'll see it later in life. I don't, I mean, a few weeks down the road, a few months down the road, uh, obviously I can't, like, really follow up with all of you and, and have you do that, but but if you write it down, like what you're suffering, and then you put it in a place where you'll see it maybe a month or a couple months down the road, hopefully, I hope that you'll see that again eventually. Maybe you stick it in a drawer and it's there for a couple of years even. But then you open that and you're reminded like, man, I was so frustrated in the middle of that, but now I see what God was doing uh, at that point in my life that I was suffering through that. I know why now. Here's the purpose that he had for that. Um, and that would be encouraging to you. So, uh, that's what we're going to do this last bit of time here.